Welcome to episode number three of the Preach and Persuade podcast. I'm Sam, and this is... Adam Nesvold. So we are uh, continuing in our discussion on the gospel and then the false gospels. So we learned in the first episode, really, that there is only one true gospel, um, and we talked about that. So if you haven't listened to that one, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that one because that the gospel is is everything uh it's everything it's the central message to christianity uh, it's it's the thing of first importance um and so if we don't understand the true gospel then we can't really go any further uh and the gospel is 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 beneficial for the christian throughout their life it's not like you graduate from the gospel the gospel is everything always every day so that is something that we need to be grounded in. But then we uh, started to talk about false gospels in episode two, and we're going to continue our discussion on false gospels in this episode, episode number three, and more specifically, the false gospel called the prosperity gospel. Um, what comes to mind, Adam, when you hear the word prosperity gospel? Like feelings, yeah. emotions, what... what? It, it's probably the message that most angers me today. Sure. Uh, the idea that God wants you to be attractive and uh, wealthy and and powerful and, and, and happy is, uh, it, it has no scriptural basis. None. Um, it, there's evidence to suggest that that Paul was not attractive, the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul, in, in the New Testament. Uh, he certainly wasn't wealthy. He he needed help from churches to complete the mission, even though right. uh, he worked as hard as he could to not have that need, to not be a burden to them, uh, which, you know, he In some cases, yeah. Yeah, he, he talks about, you know, I mean, he, he was a tent maker. He worked so that he could not be a burden, but still he received financial help from the from the churches he planted. Uh you know, um, there's no evidence to suggest, you know, other than the gifts that Jesus was given, that he had great wealth. <laughs> you know, no. there's uh, the, foxes have dens, <clears throat> birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay right, his head. Right. I mean, so there, this this idea that that Christians are supposed to be wealthy has no scriptural basis. None. I mean, certainly there there were people um, in the Bible that were wealthy. Solomon and David were extremely wealthy men. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's what happens when you collect a huge amount of taxes. And there's something unique, very unique about their specific, you know, position position in time. (laughs) Yeah. Especially with the nation of Israel and and setting them apart from every other nation. Um, That's different. Uh, But... Yeah, especially New Testament. It's almost, it's just like a complete contradiction of right. everything you see in the New Testament with how we're yeah. to live, uh, what this gospel is, how it saves us. And yeah, and so, yes, I would agree that with your uh, statement of nothing, there's really nothing more that makes you more, or makes you more angry mm-hmm. than the prosperity. I would say the same for me. I, I get righteously angry. Um, if you haven't watched the, the documentary movie called The American Gospel, and if you are looking for something to kindle a righteous anger, go ahead and go watch that documentary. You will be kindled well. Um, that that documentary is well done. It is well done, and it, and it focuses on um, – well, I mean the documentary itself is about the false gospels that America has, you know, kind of, you know, gave rise to. But they spend the most time talking about the prosperity gospel and the health and wealth and, you know – all that crap. Um, so they would do a, a lot better justice at explaining how perverse it is than we will. Uh, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about it anyway. But to give a little bit more of a definition of it and why you know why is it called a gospel, if that makes sense. Um, really, it's 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 adding something to the gospel. Uh, in in a way, it's con- it's it's taking something away as well. Uh, you could say it's taking away this idea of repentance, um, because you're you, you don't you don't have to really repent of of your idolatry to money and wealth and and, and success, right? Uh, well, it's just ridiculous. But yeah. it, it adds this idea that 
that you, when you preach the gospel or the prosperity gospel, you're preaching this. If you come to Christ, you will have health, wealth, success, prosperity in this life. Yeah, and, and if you don't, it's because you didn't believe enough. Right. Or you didn't give enough. Right. Which is just patently false. It's It's so far off base. It's almost like... Like, it's almost like a flat earth people. Like, what are you, are you in a different universe right now where you think the earth is flat? Right. Like, what the heck? And there's still people that are flat earthers. And there's even some guy, I I remember a couple years ago I saw an article, a guy made his own homemade rocket to uh, propel himself up into the atmosphere to once and for all prove to everybody that the earth was flat. Maybe forgetting that people have been putting themselves up in the air for for decades. Right. <laughs> but he was going to do it because he needed to show, you know, he needed to get his own footage uh, because everything else was uh, tainted apparently and misguided. But his rocket was uh, had a malfunction. And of course it did. He didn't make it up there. But uh, <laughs> that's the prosperity gospel. You aren't even on this planet. Like you are living in a different reality if you think that – that is what God would have for you. Uh, this it's it's totally absurd. It's not even in the same ballpark of anything that's scriptural whatsoever. Yeah, you're pulling up something. You have something to read, Adam. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of this is based off of Malachi three. You know, in in Malachi three and verse six, the Lord, um, the Lord begins telling uh, the nation of of Israel and Judah that that they've been robbing him. And, um, you know, in verse eight, he says, will you rob God yet, or will man rob God yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have I robbed you in your tithes and your contributions? And then in verse 10, um, it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food or that there, sorry, bring in the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you blessings until there is no more need. That has nothing to do with the Christian life. No. And it doesn't promise wealth. It doesn't promise, even in that passage, it's not promising that people will be wealthy. It's promising that there won't be a need. Right. Um, and, it, you know, I mean, you, you begin to... If you just take that verse, if you just take Malachi 3, verse 10, and you pull it out of this context, which in a way I just did, but you know, if you pull it completely out of this context and try to apply it to, to life today, uh, you're going to be drastically angry at God when you realize that God did not promise that if you give him a tenth of your income that you're going to become a, a millionaire. Right. God is not an ATM machine. Right. And, right, so they're adding things to the gospel that you can't add and that the Bible just blatantly contradicts. Um, the thing with the prosperity gospel, though, is that it's more than just health, wealth, and stuff like that. Like, they're, they're running with, I mean, obviously, because we would blatantly say they're not Christian, the people who preach these false gospels. They're not, they're not Christian at all. Um, so you're going to expect, therefore, to see other teachings that are totally unscriptural as well. And when, that's what you do see. Mm-hmm. And so it's very common that in a prosperity preaching type church, you'll also see some very, very wrong understandings of spiritual gifts, of miracles, of, of healings, uh, supernatural powers that just are like, what? What are you talking about? Um, you have actually very... Uh, I would label them obviously satanic teachings on on who Christ is. I say satanic because it's just not biblical or not Christian at all. Uh, if you do not believe that Christ is full deity and full man, uh, fully God, fully man, forever united, Jesus is 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 always stays and always will be one hundred percent God. He does not leave his deity. Uh, in these prosperity preaching churches, and their denomination really, well, I shouldn't say denomination, but their religion really is called Word of Faith. And a lot of Word of Faith 
theology and teaching uh, does have a wrong belief and a false belief on who Christ is. Uh, Christ, uh, to them, it was just a man like we are, and a man who they would they would say that he was not uh, he did not get the power of God until the Holy Spirit descended on him at his baptism, and and therefore before that he was just a man like we are just men before we are reborn and regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and that's just like no no he was he was God he always was God. He's never not been God, right? And that's just that's just that's actually what you would call blasphemy. That's blasphemy, and and they're teaching that Bethel Redding Bethel Church in Redding, California teaches that. Like that's and we have so many people. I know so many people that think Bethel is totally fine, and certainly they put out some pretty cool songs. <laughs> but good night, that. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> right, and and that's and that's exactly it. I mean, we we talked about in the first episode. Let anybody be a curse if they preach a different gospel. Yeah, and it, any other gospel is it is is a it's a form of spiritual warfare at at, at its most fundamental level. The whole goal of spiritual warfare from Satan's perspective is to disrupt the plan of God and to destroy the people of God. Mm-hmm. Those are the two objectives that Satan has in every form of spiritual warfare that he takes. Mm-hmm. And the, the best form of spiritual warfare is false religions and false gospels. And ultimately, the prosperity gospel finds its roots in teachings from Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just... It's beyond me that people are duped into this, really, um, and so many people are duped into it, uh, mainly because they're not they're they're not regenerated. A Christian, a true Christian, really can't get duped into this. You have churches that are just full of unregenerate people saying they're regenerated. Um, in the process, well, I, 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 I think that it, that it's possible for somebody to somebody to 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 attend a church like this and say, "Oh, Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus Christ was God." And, and I need to be saved and come to salvation and then, but still be duped in like, because, sure. because they aren't being discipled, but yeah. you know, at, yeah. at, at yeah. the core, I yeah. think that they can become saved by hearing that Jesus Christ died for their sins. Sure. And they may not have a full understanding right. of, you know, that, that all of these other things are false, but they can still believe that they can confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart. Um, that that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He died for their sins, and thus be saved. They can call upon the name of Jesus. Sure. Yeah, I would. Yeah, <clears throat> may, I'll take that back. Um, I would say, and I can't put a time period on it, but how long could you actually be in a church like this, um, that's preaching prosperity, health, wealth, happiness, um, and not get turned up, like not get. I mean, if you truly have the Holy Spirit in you, something's going to click sooner or later. You would think that, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. One would hope <laughs> that that you know a reading of the of the scriptures would point that out. But if everybody around you who is a Christian, quote unquote, I did air quotes. Uh, <laughs> if everybody around you who is a Christian and the people who are teaching you that are supposed to be Christian uh, are pointing you to uh, passages that are pulled out of a context that are where they don't teach you a proper hermeneutic or how to study the Bible. You know, they just keep telling you, well, you know, if you have enough faith and you can visualize it and you express your desires, um, God will give them to you because God is faithful and wants to answer your prayer. I mean, you could you can manipulate the scripture to, to give sure. that message. And sure. so people go to church every Sunday. They see, you know, they see the pastor is making a ton of money and has a huge church that he won't open to the people that are in his town that are being flooded out of their homes. <laughs> you know, it, it, but yet, you know, I, I think that it's, yeah, I, I think it's easy enough to fall into if you're never exposed to, how to study the Bible. Sure. Uh, yeah, and I, just for me personally, I do gravitate towards um, this, maybe I tend to believe that 
I tend to be very skeptical of people's faith, if that makes sense. Um, if you tell me you're a Christian, I'm probably going to be skeptical until I see true, uh, a true change, true repentance, a, a true devotion to God, true affections towards God, um, a, a discipline, spiritual discipline in your life where you're actually pursuing Christ. Um, because God makes us or saves us to make us whole, to make us holy, to conform us to the image of Christ, and He's going to perfect the good work that He started in us. That's in the first chapter of Philippians. So, and then also we read in John 15 that the Father prunes us so that we bear more fruit, and we fruit proves that we are disciples. So, somebody I can see somebody being very immature, coming to faith, being regenerated by the work of God, uh, getting tricked to go to a prosperity preaching church, um, and they're able to be in it for a while because just their immaturity. But I think there gets to be a point that if they're able to stay there and and be in that community for that long, then I think that might be evidence that they were actually never regenerated or never saved. Um, and I, I would say the same with somebody in the Catholic Church too, uh, depending on the, the certain Catholic Church. But if you if you're able to live years and years and years and years into the Catholic Church uh, and never realize uh, you sniff the rat, then something's up, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, Catholicism is is another is another difficult one because right. of you know ultimately idol worship and and salvation by by works. Yep. I mean, the, those two things are rampant in the Catholic Church. And you know, a friend of mine, he um, he married uh, a, a Catholic, and uh, ultimately they they made the decision to go to a Catholic church um, when when they started to have kids, and it, he. He asked uh, the the priest there many of the questions, you know. Well, how do you deal with praying to Mary? And you know, some of the answers are are very interesting. But at the end of the day, you you still can't escape it. So you can say, well, you know, we're not praying to Mary; we're asking Mary to pray for us to Christ. Yeah. Well, okay, that's <clears throat> that that doesn't get it. That, that doesn't address the the thing in Hebrews about Jesus being the high priest. We don't need an inter an intercessor. Um, you know, we, we have, we have our own brothers and sisters that are alive with us today that we can ask for prayer for. We don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't need to ask a saint that we've never met for prayer. We can let the people who are in heaven worship and rest. Yep. So kind of to read some verses to really just kind of illustrate the, the lunacy of the prosperity gospel, um, this idea that you should be wealthy, that you should see, I mean, they literally teach you in the word of faith movement that that you should never be sick, that you should never get the flu, never get a cold, uh, ever. Like if you have enough faith and you have faith, then you should never, this should never happen to you. Um, and like that is just like <clears throat> out of control and that you should be wealthy. I mean these guys like Joel Osteen, I mean his, his net worth is like I, I want to say it's half a billion. Uh, I know that uh, Kenneth Copeland, which is kind of – he's like the – the the father in some sense of the word of faith movement he's his net worth is right around 700 million dollars um they live in colossal mansions they have private jets and and you know they they justify it by they're the lord's anointed and why how couldn't the, a child of god not be uh, you know adorned with wealth and and honor and and worldly possessions but that's not what you see in Scripture. I mean, you could just read Paul, uh, you know, his description of of the life that he lives uh, in, um, where am I at? I'm flipping all over the place here. It's 2 Corinthians. At the end of 2 Corinthians, he lists out some of the, what he went through. He, he goes, um, I'm just going to start in verse 23 of chapter 11. Uh, Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I am talking like a madman with far great labor, greater labors. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings um, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through my... Through many and a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, um, who is made to fall, and I am not, in, not indignant. 
so if he goes on, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Uh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aratus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. That does not sound like the life of a prosperity preacher today. No. <laughs> they literally roll around in Bentleys and Rolls Royces. They stay in the most luxur- luxurious hotel rooms. Some of the hotel rooms that they stay in, like Benny Hinn, his nephew, Costi Hinn, actually defected from the Word of Faith movement and now is publicly exposing it you know, pretty amazingly. But he said, yeah, we would... We would we would wear the best suits. We would only ride around in Rolls Royces and Bentleys. When we we would go to Dubai and we would stay in the sailboat hotel, the the only like seven star hotel in the world, and our room uh, was a twenty five thousand dollar a night room. Like that's what they're staying in, and it's like that. If I if you think about what I just read about Paul's life, that is not that. It's the total opposite of that, and the same with Christ. Yeah, especially and especially Christ's message of yeah. you know, of you know give away your possessions and 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 give them to the and give to the poor or sell sell your possessions and give to the poor. And I'm not trying to say that that Christians can't be wealthy. Christians can be wealthy. As a matter of fact, I, I would even go so far as to say that it is it is part of the necessity that some Christians are wealthy. Right, because we need Christians who are wealthy in order to give generously to the kingdom. Right, uh, you know, to to make things happen within the kingdom. Uh, but God provides that not because of our faith and not because of our works or how much we've given. Or, and He doesn't give us it uh, it to us for us to have a luxurious life. He gives it to us so that we can give it back to the work of right. Uh, you know, for the gospel. Right. Uh, and, and certainly like, you know, I mean, I, I, I know a family who, um, who I went to church with about 15 years ago. Um, they were, they were very wealthy, um, especially by, by North Dakota standards. Um, and, but they, and they, they had a wonderful, a beautiful house, but they also gave extremely generously, mm -hmm. uh, to the kingdom. And I, I have no fault for them of having their house. You know, they, I, I believe fully that they, they obeyed the commands. They gave generously and, and the, the, the blessings that God gave them, um, are not because they gave, they're giving in response to the blessings that God gave them, uh, favor. And they, they worked, um, they were, uh, they were very high up in a in a local company here mm -hmm. um, that made you know that's very successful. So um, you know they they worked for that and God blessed them. God blessed their work, their company, and they they gave money back. And that's that's I think where the prosperity gospel is so far off when it comes to wealth is um, it 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 teaches that if you visualize it enough and if you give enough and you believe enough then you will suddenly have all of this money. Right. And it it's just not it, there's nowhere in scripture that it says that. Yeah. No, they actually truly believe and this is the just the craziness of it in their in their beliefs, the word of faith, they do believe that you can actually speak things into existence. So they would say that from Genesis when we see, when when we see that man was created in the image of God, they actually interpret that as meaning we are created as gods. Small g, they said. God is big G. We are small g's. We are gods, which means that we can create. We can speak things from nothing into existence as he did. That is crazy. No, we can't. So they actually believe that, though. They actually believe that if you... It's like the name it, claim it thing. Name it and claim it, and it's yours. Like, what? Yeah, and that's, that comes from the law of attraction. Uh, and yeah. the, the law of attraction is this, is this movement. And you can go to thelawofattraction.com to read about it. Uh, I wouldn't suggest spending too much time reading about it because it is, it is a satanic lie. Right. Um, and like any satanic lie, there, there is at the root of it uh, some truth. And, and so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from this website um, what thelawofattraction.com has to say about the law of attraction. Hundreds of years ago, the law of attraction was first thought to have been taught uh, to man by the immortal Buddha. Okay, well, right there we have a problem. <laughs> okay, so uh, it is believed he wanted it to be known that what you 
have become is what you have thought. This is the belief that is deeply intrinsic in the law of attraction. Uh, with, with the spread of this concept to Western culture also came the term karma. It is a belief that is popular throughout numerous societies. So <clears throat> let me just add, pose this question here real quick. Is there any truth to the idea of karma? I would say yes, but in, in a biblical standpoint, right, Jesus teaches us that you sow what you reap. Sure. And that's ultimately uh, very similar to what karma teaches. Sure. But this idea that if I put hate out into the world, I'm going to get hate back. Well, okay, yes, I, like we can understand that. But it's not in some, you know, metaphysical uh, way necessarily. It's that, you know, if I walk up and, and, I, and I just insult people all the time, I can expect to not be liked. <laughs> right. Because, right? I mean, that's, that's the way, way that things work. And people aren't going to necessarily be kind to me. If I just walk up to a stranger in the store and start insulting them for the hair color, well, they're probably going to have some, some raw words for me in return. <laughs> you know? Um, and you could, you could look at it in, in a little bit different way, too. You know, I, I, I managed teams in, in my career, and uh, negativity, like having a negative attitude, is a poisonous and destructive thing in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the problem with negativity is that it spreads. So if you have a group of people and one person's very negative, somebody else will be impacted by that, and it will drag them into that negativity. And that negativity will spread then from those two people throughout the team. And so I, there, is, there is this idea that if you wake up in the morning and you wake up with positivity and you say, okay, I'm going to have a good day, the day will go as you make it go. If you believe that you're going to have a good day, the majority of the time outside of some terrible things happening that are outside of your control, a loved one dying, a friend dying, uh, not that friends aren't loved ones, but um, you know, a, a pet dying uh, – a, a car accident, somebody getting seriously injured, uh, you know, outside of some of these things that you just can't control, most of the time you're going to have a good day because you started with the idea that it's a good day. If you start with the idea of it, that it's a bad day, then you, you're guaranteed going to have a bad day. Right. And so, like, these are some true concepts that that the bedrock of this whole lie of the law of attraction are based on. Because what does the law of attraction teach next? Well, if... If it's true that, that you can have a good day because you think so, then if you want money enough and you visualize it in your mind's eye, this is on their website. You can, you can read about it and then you speak it out, then the universe will give it to you. But the universe doesn't have power to give you anything. Right. It's like, what are you talking <laughs> the, the, about? But, but that, that's the teaching. And, then, and what does that sound like? That sounds exactly like the prosperity gospel. Yeah. Well, well I, I want to – I'm going to visualize and have enough faith that I'm going to get this, this amount of money. Yeah. And then I'm going to speak it out because my words have power. Right. Like you said, because we're created in the image of God. I'm going to speak this money out and then I'm going to be given this money. But that's that's not that's not biblical, and we don't have the power to speak things into existence. No, you can try to do it right now as you're listening. Yeah, Go you ahead and imagine something and really believe with everything you have right. that you can just speak something into your hand. Right, and guess what? It's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, and even if it okay, say okay, it's not going to just appear. You can't speak things into existence from nothing. But there is this true spiritual reality where there are evil forces wor at work where Satan could uh, be allowed, you could say, to move around resources to make it seem as though you are... Absolutely. And that's exactly what's happening. Uh, like, I'm going to read from... What am I going to read from? I'm going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in um, verse 8. No, verse 6, I'm going to start in. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 
It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. I think Paul says it pretty unclear there. Yep. Like, what the heck are you thinking? Like, that's the point, though. Satan understands this. Satan knows that the that money blinds people, that money is a snare for people to come to the Lord. So, obviously, he's going to give people this this money that they desire if it means that they will be blinded to the truth. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty small cost to Satan's scheme. If right. he has some if if God has given him some some you could say some freedom to work in this world with some physical things. Some some freedom we need to it, understand it's it's not that God has given Satan some freedom to work in this world. This is Satan's world. Right. That that's that comes he's, from the mouth yeah, of Jesus the, Christ. Yeah, you're right. He's the he's prince the, of this world. Right. Yeah. So you got to realize that just because you are, uh, uh, you know, desiring money and now you are getting money, you got to go, one, is that a good desire? Two, is that ultimate truth? Like, am I, if you think you're actually speaking into existence, are you? Well, go to scripture because scripture is the, the, the source of all truth. Like, we need to weigh things, our experiences to the scriptures, with the scriptures, by the scriptures to see if it's a valid uh, experience or a valid uh, uh, observation and you see, no, it's not. Oh, and also I'm learning that Satan's scheming and trying to deceive me and snare me. Oh, that makes sense why I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like dumb. Like, think about this. Good grief. Yeah. And and again, we're not saying that, that as a Christian, you can't be wealthy. Right. You know, again, you know, I mean, right. it's, it, it, it's okay to be wealthy. What Adam said was exactly right. Here's the deal. Uh, everything you, you have to realize it too. Everything that you have is a gift from God. Um, and so if you if God has blessed you, if you want to say blessed, I you know, with prosperity preachers, the that word can be misconstrued to mean something else. Right. But if God has blessed you um, with with a, a job that you know you make a lot of money and you, he's given you the gifts, maybe the intellect or or uh, whatever it might be to be able to do this job and make these this money, it's not so that you can have a luxurious life. It's so that you can give back to him the, who's the one who gives all things. Mm-hmm. So God gave you your life. God gave you your talents. God gave you your giftings. God gave you your opportunities. God put you where you live. He 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 did everything. So he's the, he's the ultimate giver. You have nothing of your own doing. And so if you have been blessed by God with, with uh, you know, a lot of finances, it's not for you. It's to give back to the one who gives. Right. And so that's why many people who have been blessed with great uh, wealth and they're Christians end up actually being what people call reverse tithers. They live on 10%. They give 90%. A tithe is more commonly known as a 10%. You give 10% of what you what you have. Reverse tithe is you, give, you mm-hmm. live on 10%. You give yeah. 90%. And some of these Christian pastors that write a book and it, becomes a New York Times bestseller like Francis Chan I think he I'm pretty sure he is a reverse tither uh his his uh, you know his book Crazy Love made sold millions of copies you have all these royalties and I think actually before the book even uh was sold they projected that it would be you know a big seller so he actually I'm pretty sure uh you can figure it out for yourself basically signed away all the makings from him so that he wouldn't even be tempted to keep it because he obviously knows from Scripture that right. the money is a root of all sorts of evil, mm-hmm. and it's a snare. I don't even want the. I don't even want to be tempted yeah. by all of this and, money. And and I think the key to that passage is you know the love of money is the root of all kinds right. of evil. It's, right. You know it. It it's it's perfectly okay if God if God has blessed you and you want to drive around in an expensive car and have an expensive house. You know if you're managing your finances well and wisely. Yeah. If you're if you're being a good steward, as the Bible would would instruct us to do, right. not would the Bible does instruct us to be good stewards of what God has given us, and and if you are giving back, it's it's okay for you to to have a life of luxury, but you can't put that on this pedestal of idolship before God. Mm-hmm. God has to come first. Yes, uh, it, it it is dangerous, though. I will say that yeah, because, because mean, you you have to take into account to the scripture where Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Right. So there is this idea that just the more worldly, you could say, pleasures or luxuries that you have, 
the yeah. It gets it gets hard. It gets hard. Right. It, there there, are, there's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of temptation it. involved with it. Absolutely. Um, but right, it is stewardship. This, this life is a life of steward stewardship. Everything we have is a gift from God to be stewarded faithfully, uh, uh, to be stewarded for His glory, not for our glory, not mm-hmm. for our personal fulfillment or satisfaction or, or happiness. And the cool thing is is that we're actually ultimately satisf- satisfied when we live for the glory of God. Um, yeah. And that's Piper's Christian hedonism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, well, God, what was I going to say now? Um, okay, here's what I was going to say. This is kind of, we're going to maybe switch gears a little bit. But Another thing that runs around, and I, I already mentioned it, but another thing that runs around with this prosperity gospel is also supernatural powers and works. And so you see a lot of the, the ultra-charismatic uh, types, they, they drift towards the prosperity gospel too. Um, those things run together a lot. And now certainly you can have uh, uh, charismatics that aren't prosperity gospel people, and you, there are some charismatics certainly that are true Christians, but there is a lot more overlap, mm-hmm. you could say, with those two things. So, well, yeah, I mean, because it, it comes down to emotion, yeah, right? Yeah, again. I mean, because, uh, you know, an what, experience. Right, exactly. What happens if you go to church with the idea that, um, that, eventually you're going to get rich you are emotionally invested in that yep and your focus isn't on god it's on what god is going to do for you and 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 that i mean that that's a problem in in and of itself right you go to church to worship god and i and i guarantee you that when you go to church to worship god god will give you something like god will give you a gift if you watch for it god will give you something um, and that and that something could range anything from a uh, from a sermon that speaks to you specifically to a song that 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 touches you puts you in a more worshipful spot um, to you know so I mean there's many people who meet their spouses at church right if you go to worship God with the right heart God is going to make that um, worth your while uh, because God lo- God does love to bless His people. But well, that, we were designed for it. Right. Uh, and, but God, that, that just because God loves to bless his people does not mean that God wants everybody to be ha- uh, happy and healthy. It, it means that, you know, okay, I said this once before, the Christian life is not puppies and rainbows. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, the, the, the Christian life is difficult. It's a fight. Yeah. It's a brutal, brutal fight. Mm-hmm. It's a war. I mean... It's 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 not yeah puppies and rainbows and lollipops and glitter and sparkles right <laughs> and, right. and uh, comfy sweatpants and stuff whatever <laughs> uh, yoga pants yeah we we need to understand you know I guess you know another thing about this is we need to understand our I, I got off track from from what you were talking about we need to understand oh, our place okay. before God yeah and our place before God is wretched sinners yeah right. Uh, you know, going going right back to total depravity, which is you know something that we'll have to talk about in depth one day. But we are wretched sinners, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, our our mouths are are open graves. Yep. You know, so the venom venom of asp is on our lips. Yeah. You know, we we don't we don't have the you know, we don't have any standing before God to expect God to give us anything. It is God's yeah. good pleasure. If we want what we deserve, then we'll get hell. Right. Um, which, uh, but you know, so going going back to the spiritual gift thing, right? The, the charismatic overlap with the prosperity gospel is, you know, when you're so emotionally invested and you're looking for what you're going to get, mm-hmm. and then somebody puts on this show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when you look at what's happening uh, in the ultra um the the ultra charismatic uh movement uh it's all about experience right everything from the music to the presentation uh the lights the um everything yeah i mean all of it is is all about a presentation to drive emotion right and when you when you whip people up 
and you you whip up their emotions, and then, and then you start performing these miracles of um, of healing people or speaking in tongues. Uh, people, and we're not saying those miracles are valid at these shows. I'm not. We're not saying that they're real miracles. Right. Yeah. When when you start doing these, you know, many of many of which have, are staged, if not all of them. Right. Right. Uh, <clears throat> there's. You you just you just amplify those emotions more and more. Right. It just yeah. You get into this. It's hyper emotionalism. I mean, and you think about it too. Okay, do miracles happen? Absolutely. God is a supernatural God. He literally spoke this universe into existence from nothing, from nothing. Uh, and miracles are happening every happening every day where dead hearts are being brought to life through regeneration through the gospel. And yes, Jesus did real miracles when he was in his ministry on earth, and the apostles did real miracles, and Moses actually split the Red Sea. That actually happened. But the thing is, Jesus, you, you can even read the, the gospel accounts. There was a crowd of people, a crowd of people following Jesus around, just wanting to see miracles. Yep. Show us another miracle. Show us another cool thing that you do. Do it again. Do it again. And then finally, when he just kind of laid down the law and said, this is what the cost of discipleship is. This is what I'm calling you to. Pick up your cross and follow me, basically. You have to hate your mother, your brother, your father, your sister if you were to be my disciple. As soon as he started preaching suffering and what, what the cost of being a Christian is, a bunch of people left. Yeah. And they saw the miracles. And it's the same parable. When Jesus was talking about the the... Uh, was it? I always get the names missed. Is it the rich man and Lazarus, or the or or, yeah, the rich man and Lazarus? I'm pretty sure the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, or the beggar, the poor beggar. They both came to the end of their life. The the rich man went to hell. The poor man, Lazarus, went to heaven. And and the 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 rich man from hell is is talking. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure up to Abraham up in heaven. And he says, "Hey, tell Lazarus to come down." And just dip his put one drop of water on my tongue to, to to quench this burning, this constant anguish that I'm in. And he said, Abraham said, "There's a big chasm set between us. You you can't come up here. We can't come down there." Um, but he said, "Well, at least send send Lazarus back or somebody back from the dead to go warn my my family about hell." Uh, and he goes, "Even if somebody comes back from the dead, they're not going to believe." Mm-hmm. So it's just like. What, what are you thinking? Like this emotionalism, whipping everybody up in this frenzy. It's like even if you do see real miracles, real ones, that doesn't, that doesn't have power in and of self to, to change a heart. Right. And so that's what they're, they're, this prosperity gospel and these, this hyper-charismatic teaching is like if there isn't like miracles accompanying the gospel, uh, uh, then it might not be authentic. And it's just like no. No, 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 no. Uh, the the regeneration of a hard heart is a miracle, um, right? And, and of itself. And we'll have to have an episode one day Oop. that discusses continuationism versus cessationism. Oh, sure, yes. And so, for anybody who doesn't know what those terms are, the continuationism being the idea that the spiritual gifts of healing and speaking in tongues and uh, prophecy, as you would think about it, as uh, predicting the future, right. um, or receiving new revelation from God, do these do these types of spiritual gifts continue? Uh, I think, and then cessationism is saying that that they stopped right um, at a certain point in in the first century, right. Uh, and I, I and I think it would be good for us to to have that that conversation. Um, you know, I think. Most most people on both sides, most people on both sides, tend to agree that uh, there is no new revelation from God. But not all. The, there is there is a, a big movement uh, that's more on the fringe edge of um, of the charismatic movement, where people claim to get new revelation from yeah. God. And certainly, yep. that's a part of the Catholic faith. Uh, the Pope being right. uh, being able to they have apostolic succession. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Um, I mean that that is completely unfounded in Scripture. But right. uh, in in any case, uh, the Word of God is sufficient, um, oh, yeah. and we don't need 
spiritual gifts to persuade people when the word of God will do it for right. us. Um, could God choose to heal people? Absolutely. Right. Uh, but I think we uh, that continuationism versus cessationism idea is definitely something that we don't have time to really dive oh, into yeah. today. Right. Not today but, at all. Uh, but we will get into it because it's a fun one. Um, one thing I try want to I want to wrap up probably in the next fifteen minutes here. Um, try to keep these at about an hour. <laughs> but uh, one thing I do want to talk about with the prosperity gospel because that's kind of our topic obviously for today, is this reality that um, it, it's totally, again, we've already talked about how unbiblical it is, but it's unbiblical on another level of the fact that our hope is in, in a life to come. Like our, the, we go through anguish and torment and suffering and, and we're in this battle in this life with a hope to come or in a, with a hope and a life to come where we will no longer have suffering and no longer have pain and no longer be in torment and no longer fight this battle against the flesh and no longer deal with evil and sin. And it's like we look forward to that. That's the new heavens and the new earth. That's the promise of the life to come. That's what we're looking forward to. Uh, that's glory. Uh, we have a hope and a life to come where we will be glorified and we'll be given new bodies that don't get hurt or sick. We will never be sick in the new heaven and the new earth. But the prosperity preachers, for some weird reason, think that's now. I don't know why they think that, because it's not in in the Bible anywhere. Uh, but they they reverse it. They and literally Joel Osteen calls his book "Your Best Life Now." Right, and and we promised you a John MacArthur quote yes, last week. Yes, please quote him. And so that that quote is that the title of that book should be a dead giveaway because the only way this is your best life now is if you're going to hell. Exactly. So it's like what the heck? <laughs> it's like. Duh! This is wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I could go on and on about you know because you know I think it it starts with a with a really bad understanding of eschatology. Yep. Um, you know th- this idea that uh, you know we can achieve some sort of um, uh, health that is that is protected in this life. No, like like sin resides in our bodies. Yeah. According to Romans seven. Right. Uh, you know. And and sin is death. And Paul says, who's going to save me from this body of death? Right. He's literally calling him the, the body that he resides in. It's a body of death. Yeah. And I, there's there's no way for us to escape illness in this life. It will happen. It's going to happen. It's happened to all of us. Because you die. Here's right. the funny thing. Why do prosperity preachers die? Uh, Like... If you, you know, you should never get sick. You should never get a cold. You should never get the flu, blah, 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 blah. But yet they can't control the, the fact that their telomeres and their chromosomes are deteriorating. Uh, and then they eventually die. Yeah. So it's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> that seems contrary to your, their belief. Right. But. Yeah. But it's just a bunch of, a, it's a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of contradiction. It's a bunch of garbage. Um, but unfortunately, this is where, you know. In in some case, like a lot of people are duped, you could say in America, but the, where it really gets sick is when these these sick prosperity preachers preachers go over to Africa, go over to these poor countries, uh, and then they bring this this virus of the, pro, the of the prosperity gospel, and they they fill these stadiums with these people that are so desperate they barely have water and food, they're 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 miscarrying their children, they're 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 diseased and sick and just living horrible lives, really, even you know by the world standards. And then they bring this disease of a of a gospel over there, and they they really they dupe these people into giving these giving these preachers everything that they own. You know, if you just give this amount of money, you will have health and wealth, and God will bless you. And so they give everything they have. The prosperity preachers line their pockets, fly out on their private jet back to America, rich. And everybody there is still poor and mm-hmm. and diseased and still sick and even poorer than they were before because they gave all their money to these, these sickos that come over there. And like I said, I think I mentioned it last week too. Like I, I was in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And literally, the prosperity gospel is running rampant over there. And this hyper charismatic uh, theology is running rampant over there. It's all you see, and and you see billboards of these American prosperity preachers up, put up in the downtown parts of the city, 
And it's just like, oh my goodness. It's horrible. And we go over there and we put on these conferences to ground these these pastors and these leaders of these churches in the city in the authority of Scripture. Um, because these prosperity preachers that come over there, they're not doing that. Because if they were grounding them in the authority of Scripture, then they would quickly see that, oh no, I'm preaching something wrong. Right. <laughs> um, and these, these pastors that have been pastors for a while, they're telling us, us guys that went over there to preach the true gospel and preach from the, the true Scriptures, that they've never heard anything like this. They don't have access to preaching like this. They don't have somebody that's coming over here and opening up the Bible to them and preaching right from the Bible. They're used to, and they think it's normal. They think the prosperity gospel is normal over there. Uh, that's, that's their idea of American Christianity, and that's just disgusting. That's just disgusting. So there's we go over there, and we're able to, it's like, we're just... Simple men with a Bible in our hands, and we're preaching the Bible, mm -hmm. preaching the gospel from the scriptures, the only gospel, and it does a work over there. Yeah, which is the only way that it was preached in the New Testament. Right. So, I hate the prosperity gospel. It is a horrible thing. It's disgusting. It's perverse. It's satanic. It's deceptive. Um, it's just, it's really sad. Um that so many people are fooled, uh, but but Satan is is scheming, and it's one of his schemes that he's deceiving people with. But because we're good Calvinists and Reform, we we truly do believe that God will lose none that He is predetermined to save. So there is this there is that hope that those whom are God's lost sheep will come into the fold. Right, but. Do you have anything else to say? Because otherwise, we'll wrap it up on this one. No, um, no, I, I think I think we've said enough on this one. Maybe we could next week we can talk about something a little bit happier. <laughs> yes, yeah, it won't be just oh, I hate, 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> garbage, poop, you know, whatever. <laughs> but hopefully, you learned something, and that's kind of our hope is that you were able to, uh, yeah. Preach the Bible, preach the scriptures, preach truth, and persuade to to that truth. Uh, preach and persuade. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, so if, if you're able to tolerate us, please uh, continue to listen to our episodes. <laughs> but thanks for tuning in. Have a good day. Bye.